Oh, we've been recording for two minutes. Yeah. Well, that can be our cold open. Hey. All right. And you're recorded on the video side. I am now. <laughs> oh, whoops. Well, you're the one in charge of this shit. Why do I have to do it? That's a cold open. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Out of Bounds, the Out of Bounds podcast. I'm John Luck with Mary Evers, and we are space we are socially distancing ourselves by about like 25, 26 miles. So, do, are we going to go over the fact that we're socially distanced every single time we do this? Well, here's the thing: if you're watching us on BTV or some of the other community access stations, you can see that we had different backgrounds, but we are available also on uh, Spotify. And a couple of other uh, podcast networks as well. So if you're listening to us, you may not know that we're socially distant. They may not care. Uh, nine times out of ten, they probably won't care. <laughs> I mean, like, do the podcasts you listen to right now, do they tell you every single podcast that they're not together right now? Well, I mean, the Office podcast does. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. That's the only podcast you listen to? Hmm. All right, well, let's talk about the uh, right, okay. NBA playoffs. As the Boston Celtics right now are one win away from returning back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, right now, they are. we thought they were going to relatively uh, advance with ease through the second round against the Toronto Raptors, but this has been really a back-and-forth series, and a lot of this goes back to that buzzer-beating three from OG Ananobi in Game 3. Yeah. But the Celtics really have, a, have looked like all different types of a basketball team here. Yeah, I mean, they, the first two games, obviously, it kind of seemed like they were pretty much had a handle on this on this round, and Toronto was not going to be able to keep up with them. And, I mean, even at the, like, halfway through the third game, it looked like the Celtics were going to be able to pull it out, and then all of a sudden, they, the Raptors came back and won in a buzzer beater. I don't necessarily blame the, the, the Celtics players for that, I do blame Brad Stevens. What I do, but I what I do blame the Celtics for is they when they came back for Game Four, they looked like they were giving up. Quite honestly, they kind of looked like the Bruins in Game Four. Obviously, Game Five they turned that around a lot and in a big way. But it was kind of disheartening to think that they took a buzzer beater loss and instead of coming back out and proving to the whole world that they were still in this they just decided to sit back and let Toronto handle it. So game one, I think that was a real runaway game, obviously, because <clears throat> uh, don't forget game one was basically a week after the NBA basically shut down because of the social justice um, stance that all the players are making. So we didn't know what we were going to get for game one. And all of a sudden the Celtics came out uh, shooting up a storm here. Jason Tatum, 21 points, Marcus Smart, 21 points. And Marcus Smart really took things over in uh, Game 2, I think it was, shooting 6 of 11 from the three-point line, ending his night with 19 points. And when we talk about the Celtics, really the three-point game, that's their bread and butter. And I I think it was Game 4, they really didn't click as far as three-point shooting goes. Now let me pull out the numbers here. Yeah, from the three-point line, they were 7 of 35. That's 20 points. How do you shoot 35 three-point attempts? And only hit seven of them. You know, Jaylen- as, much as, you, 
as much as you say the three point is the bread and butter of their game, do you want to know why I think the Celtics, like the big actual difference maker and the Celtics team is in regards to not only Toronto, but all the other teams in the bubble, their defense has been on point. There's been, it has not been for a significant amount of time that an NBA team has been putting so much effort into a defense as the Boston Celtics are right now. And one of the main factors in that is Jason Tatum, because yeah, he's your, he's your guy. He's going to be the guy that gets you all these points, but the fact that he's making sure he puts in work on the other end of the court is what's setting him apart from not only regular NBA players, but even some of the star NBA players. So say when we talk about Jason Tatum, there are some, facets of his game that I'm not a big fan of, the all-star treatment that he thinks he deserves. Sometimes he'll take plays off defensively. Now, granted, in Game 5, when he had that steal right in the middle of the floor, just intercepting that pass, that was huge. Yeah. Game 5, I think, was an anomaly when we talk about the Celtics' defense. Now, if we talk about the Boston Celtics winning an 18th banner, their defense needs to replicate what they did in Game 5. Yeah. Um, out-rebounding the Raptors defensively 41-26, to Really, in the first half, especially the second quarter, it seems like they had their foot right on the Raptors' throat, and they just continued to put their foot on the pedal. I think they were having flashbacks to Game 3. Yeah. And when we talk about Game 4, I, I, what I was expecting in Game 4 was what we got in Game 5. Really clicking on defense, getting your shots to fall. Really where this series turned for the Celtics is the fact that they got inside the three-point line. They started getting those pain points. I think it was halftime. They were uh, outscoring the Raptors 24-something as far as pain points goes. That's how you're going to win games. I heard NBA on TNT talk about this, um, that in games one through four, the games were really predicated on the three-point offense. The Celtics really turned this around, especially in game four, when eventually they started to get the idea that the shots aren't going to fall, go inside the three-point line, crash the boards, Get players like Pascal Siakam. Get players like Kyle Lowry in foul trouble. Right. And I I honestly think, like, I, I really do hope that game four was some kind of anomaly for them going forward. And now, mind you, in a seven-game seven series, they're not always going to be sweeps. And with or without Kawhi Leonard, the Toronto Raptors are your reigning NBA champions. So it wasn't going to be easy. And I think that maybe people got ahead of themselves after game two, thinking mm -hmm. that this was going to be a, a simple season, a simple series for the Celtics. But I, I think that if they can at least keep the pace of like game two was more of a kind of normal game. They weren't crazy ahead of them, but they weren't the the Raptors really didn't weren't breathing down their necks at all in that game too. If they kind of like find a middle ground from that game, they'll be pretty solid. Also, I just have to say, you know, it was we what was really missing game five. Geno time. Yep, exactly. I had to explain what Geno time was like four or five different times the other day because every time I said it, no one knew what I was talking about. Well, the cool thing is in the bubble because we talked about this that the uh, NBA has basically given the home court advantage advantage as basically it's all your team colors all around on the LED boards. Right. The NBA actually does have a Geno time background. Yeah. But game five was technically a Raptors home game. So we did not see Geno time, unfortunately. So we talk about the home court advantage and obviously they're playing in a bubble. There is no real home court advantage for any of these teams here in the NBA. And yet the road team has won all five games of these series. 
So just how important has the home court advantage loss um, have been for the Raptors? Because they don't have Jurassic Park. Inside that building in Toronto, that gets insanely loud for basketball games. And I think, um, you know, for the home court advantage, teams like Milwaukee, that's really having an upstart year, they're hurting because they don't have the home court advantage in Toronto as well. Right. It's funny because you said that. I honestly did not know that until you just said that. Because I quite honestly have not been paying attention to who the home team is and who, who the away team is. But I think if you take away the advantage of home court, you're actually seeing who the better teams are. And I mean, you can even say that about the Milwaukee and the Heat series, because obviously the Heat and have been taking down the Bucs more than I think anyone thought was possible. And maybe it's like, oh, well, the Bucs don't have home court advantage. Well, neither did the Heat. So, and we talked about this with hockey too. Like they're all, all these teams are in completely equal footing. So the teams that are winning are truly and actually the better team. And I like that about this year's playoffs as opposed to every other year. I will say one thing I'm kind of surprised with Milwaukee is that they actually did fight back in game four. We've seen right. really throughout these playoffs. And I think the same can be said for hockey as well. When a team goes down, you know, three, nothing, three, one in a series, the team that has the zero games or the one game, they basically pack up and get ready to leave. We didn't see right. that from Milwaukee. I think that was kind of surprising, especially the fact that the Bucks didn't have Giannis Antetokounmpo in right. the lineup really for the last three quarters of the game, and they probably won't have him for uh, Game Five later on tonight. Yeah, I I don't. I think the last I heard about Giannis's status was that they hadn't actually made a decision yet. And it seems to me that he's going to be one of those players that wants to play no matter how hurt he is. I mean, we saw that with game four because he was clearly in pain at the beginning of that game and he just aggravated the issue. Now, if I were him, as much as I appreciate his dedication to winning and his team, I would not play tonight because one, the it was an overtime win, but his team proved that they will be able to handle Miami without him. And in some cases, if they come back and end up winning this series in seven games, I think they'd probably prefer to have Giannis for the next round than they would for this round. So I think that's a very interesting thing because we talk about the Celtics and obviously the winner of this series takes on the winner of the Heat Bucks series. So if you're a Celtics fan or a Raptors fan of Toronto comes back and wins the next two, you want the other series to go six or seven games because I believe – the Eastern Conference Final starts next Tuesday. And if that's the case and Milwaukee loses tonight, Miami faces the winner of this series, that's, what, a week? That yeah. Miami's not going to have to play games? I mean, the league can go ahead and move up the games, but I believe it's set to start next Tuesday. So I think that's something to watch, especially if you are a Celtics or a Raptors fan, because this series could easily go six or seven games. Right, but, I mean, obviously both series could go six or seven games. So... And I mean, obviously, I it seems to me, and I especially if Giannis doesn't play tonight, I would assume that Miami wins. But just because Miami, win, like, because a lot of people have been saying, oh well, if if the Heat beat the Bucks, it'll be so much easier to get through the Heat than it would the Bucks. But the Heat beat the Bucks, like they were able to stop Giannis when, for the most part, during the regular season, no one else was able to. So I I caution anyone who thinks that playing the heat is going to be easier and i think one of the things that the heat has over the bucks is they have more depth than the bucks do 
which I, I did not notice, but I also hadn't been really paying attention to the heat at all this season. They were kind of like a sneaky contender. So now you're, it's hard not to pay attention to them because they've made their presence in the bubble known. So when we talk about the Miami heat, and I think this kind of goes back to the Celtics series a bit because Miami likes to play a lot of zone defense. Uh, the Celtics didn't lose much in the NBA bubble, especially in the seeding round games, the regular season 2.0. But one of the games that they lost was against Miami. And the reason why is because Miami played a lot of zone defense, a lot of 2-3 defense. So you had the extra man under the basket, right. and you're forcing Boston to go ahead and shoot threes. Now we're starting to see that a little more uh, in the series against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Nick Nurse, this was really talked about during Game 5. He likes to play a lot of zone defense, a lot of 2-3, uh, 3-2, two, three, three, two, box and 1, 2-1-2. Um, two, two. Uh, for some reason, Boston can't figure out the zone defense. They can play zone defense very well, except for the last shot of Game 3. But Well, they shouldn't come- have been playing zone defense in that point. Well, you, you can play zone defense. I just don't know if I'd stick Taco Fall out there for his first playoff minute or playoff you, seconds. You don't, because... Brad Stevens literally just put Taco Fall in a position to fail. And I don't blame Taco because, like you said, it's the first second he'd ever played in a playoff game in the NBA. And normally his job is to stand under the net and stand with his arms up to block the shot. That's not what they did. They put him on the line with Kyle Lowry, who, not for nothing, is one of the better players in the league. So I don't, I, I, I don't understand what Brad Stevens' thinking was for that in the first place. All right, so let's go back to that moment then because there's been a lot of blame tossed around in – I'm leaning more towards Jalen Brown as far as the fault goes. I've heard um, some fault for Taco Fall for some reason, fault for Brad Stevens, fault for Daniel Tice. Who yeah. do you give a lot of fault for um, on that blown shot, I guess, if you're the Celtics? Well, I, I definitely blame Brad Stevens because I think putting Taco in there at that point was a, the incorrect decision. If you wanted a big body in there to try to – stop him from making this pass they should have put Robert Williams because he's been having a pretty decent series as it is and he's still I mean obviously he's not taco fall size but he's one of the biggest players on the entire team who's actually has playoff experience at this point so I would have put him in but I also do give a little bit of blame to Daniel i sorry not Daniel Tice uh Jalen Brown because he wasn't covering and I don't know if that was actually supposed to be his man, but he was the one closest to him, but also still not close to him at all. All right. But to Jalen Brown's credit, he did he didn't pretend like it was a whole team mistake. He didn't pretend that it was just like that the Raptors were better. He admitted to that there was a mistake and owned up to it, which is not something you'd seen from the Celtics in the last couple of years. So that's, you know, an interesting move for them. That was a big um I guess you could say grown NBA player moment because if you go back to when Kyrie Irving was on the Celtics, he might go ahead and just throw Jalen Brown under the bus. This season, we see Jalen Brown taking blame, taking onus for what happened. And going back to that play, if I can remember right, uh, Marcus Saul, he was kind of off in the paint, you know, up near the top of the key. Daniel Tice was probably a good three or four feet away. So Tice was kind of out in no man's land. So I could maybe see where Tice would get the blame, but Right. In a situation like that, you have to play man defense. Everybody gets on one person. If Jalen Brown plays tight defense on OG Ananobi and Ananobi gets the shot over Brown, you know, with Brown not really trailing, I I could forget that shot. But giving a player in the NBA playoffs the second round an open shot like that with a half a second to go, 
that's just that just can't happen. It's funny. It reminded me as soon as that happened, all I could remember was that that shot that last year Kawhi made against the 76ers that like it, it felt like time froze except for the ball. It just bounced around the rim and then finally fell into the basket. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening again. I can't believe this is happening again. So I've started watching these games with my family, and it's really become a great family time activity watching John have a heart attack during the oh, Celtics yeah, game. Sure. So for uh, work reasons, I wasn't able to watch the first two plus maybe three quarters of the game. So I get home to watch game or game three of the fourth quarter there. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's a real back and forth game. But one thing, and we'll get to the shot in a little bit as far as the reaction goes, but one thing I noticed is in the last minute or so, the Celtics had a couple of chances to take some time off the clock, which yeah. is something that experienced teams do. Kemba Walker shot the ball with a minute 14 to go. Uh, yeah. Jason Tatum shot the ball with 42 seconds to go. And, it was still, I think, 10 to 15 seconds on the shot clock. If you right. go ahead and wind that thing all the way down, worst yeah. case, you get an air ball, but you take off an extra 20, 25 seconds. Yeah. That's a learning experience. I understand Kemba Walker. This is his first time in the second round. Uh, Jason Tatum, this is his first time as a real legitimate um, leader of a team. Yeah. I. You know what's sad, though, too? Because of that last second buzzer beater, I feel like we're not giving enough props to that no look pass Kemba Walker gave to Daniel Tice for the on the opposite end in the play before it. That was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. That that was part one of the great reaction at home. Sure. So <clears throat> I'm watching the game with my family and Kemba Walker no look pass Daniel Tice for the slam, and I jump out of my chair. My chair almost flips over. My family's laughing at me. Yeah, but sure. they're starting to get into watching these Celtics games. So, yeah. obviously, Lowry over Taco Fall, finds Ananobi, hits the three, and just dead silence. Everyone's looking at yeah. me, waiting to see what I'm going to do. I'm just sitting there flabbergasted. I think my yeah. heart rate might have stopped for a couple of seconds because I couldn't believe what I saw in that game. Yeah, I, I have, like, the exact opposite experience with that game because I was alone – watching it in my bedroom and I could hear my brothers and parents watching it from the living room and their television was about five seconds ahead of mine so I heard the cheers for the Kemba to Tice pass and then I was like oh that's it that must be the game and then I could hear them like no are you kidding me and I was like no and then as I, I like as I'm hearing this that's when the the ball goes in the basket for my room and I was like well this is depressing I'm gonna have to start actually watching sporting events with my family now because their television goes ahead of mine all right this is the out of bounds podcast John Luck Mary Everts with you here talking about the Celtics Raptors second round series of the Eastern Conference playoffs and I want I want to ask you about the play of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because coming into the postseason, we thought that these two are going to be very important parts of the Celtics offense, and they have been. But we've also started to find some other players here that have made a uh, an important change here, including Robert Williams III. I was I've been pretty yeah. surprised with what I've seen from him as far as the offensive uh, side of the game goes for the Celtics. Yeah, that's one thing that the the Celtics have needed for a while is a big guy to go underneath the net. And I mean, going back to like the IT days, the Celtics are a pretty small team comparatively to the rest of the league, especially like if it, Kemba Walker is 
so like so he's obviously not as short as it was but he's still a lot smaller than the majority of the other all-stars in this league so having someone like robert williams especially considering all the problems he had at the beginning of his career as a celtic seeing him come into his own has been much needed especially now that gordon hayward is out and you know as much as i i mean obviously daniel tice is having a good good series himself but Cantor really isn't so being able for robert williams to come in and step up is really important for this team well, I think it's by design not to have Ennis Cantor go in there because he can't really keep up with the fast-paced teams like Toronto has. When yeah. you're taking on a team like the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, obviously you have a player like a Josh Richardson, a Joel Embiid. They don't have a lot of speed with them, so Ennis Cantor right. can hang around with them. Yeah. But there was one point in Game 5 where the, Celt- or the Raptors had a small lineup where Pascal Siakam was playing the 5. Mm-hmm. Ennis Cantor can't match up with that. No. There's no way that can happen. Yeah. All right. So, um, as far as the coaches goes, I I've been pretty impressed with Brad Stevens to see how he kind of adapts um, to what the Raptors throw at him, especially when it comes to these after timeout plays, and we continue to see it with Brad Stevens. This goes back right. to 2012 when he first came to Boston. Right. That's this his is bread his bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, with Nick Nurse. We talk about Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, he gets the... not shut up for five <laughs> seconds during any of these games. So I think that actually does play an important role. Getting on the refs, you're kind of being that little earworm in the back of the refs' heads, and they're going to continue to look here. And do I think the referees are the main reason why the Raptors are down three-two in the series? No. no. Have the Celtics gotten more free throws than the Raptors? Yes. yes. But. Unfortunately, that's just the way the ball bounces sometimes. We've yeah. seen this with Toronto in years past. With I mean, when they had Kawhi Leonard, they got the benefit of some calls. Right. And I will go back to, what, game two here. Jason Tatum had 14 free throw attempts. He made all 14 there. Yeah. Let's go to game four here. Look at the Raptors free throw attempts. They shot 15 and 19. The Celtics shot 20-27, so that's a bad example. But unfortunately, <laughs> the Raptors have to learn to make some of these shots, and they – quit in game five they quit in game one the raptors need to play a full 48 minutes to hang with the boston celtics i have to ask because i was doing a fantasy football draft while watching game five last night so only was kind of it was like in my peripheral as i was dealing with that thanks for watching basketball i'm trying okay (laughs) i'm really trying now now the football season is starting i cannot promise you that it'll last much longer anyways did Nick Nurse receive a technical foul last night? He did. Okay, because I thought I saw that. And I was like, no, the quote-unquote coach of the year isn't dumb enough to get a technical foul, so I must have read that incorrectly, but I guess I did not. So that was part one of what happened as far as the uh, downturn for the Raptors in Game 5. Right. Part two was pretty interesting because Kyle Lowry also got called for a technical foul, okay. and Jason Tatum was shooting the free throws, and... It was either before the free throw or right after, but he was continuing to chirp at the ref, which he does. He's Toronto's Marcus Smart, gets on everybody's nerves, flops and everything. Sure. But Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka yelled across the court, shut up, we're losing by 24 points. So oh, there's some dissension among the Toronto Raptors. And even more importantly, maybe for no. Serge Ibaka, who's really proved to be a six-man for the uh, Toronto Raptors as far as trying to get them back in the game with the second unit. 
Right. He injured his foot, so his status for game six is questionable. I was going to say, was that him? I saw a notification that one of them was questionable for this game, but I did not see what the name was. So yeah. was it Serge Ibaka? Yeah, so Serge Ibaka yeah. is questionable for game six, a winner-go-home oh, situation yeah. for the Toronto Raptors. That's not good. That's, <laughs> right. that's, a, that's some, like... Like that's like what I expected out of the 76ers. The 76ers had absolutely no fight whatsoever. I don't think Joel Embiid wanted to be there for any time. All right, so we're going to talk a little more Celtics here coming up uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But again, we are simulcasting this on BTV, and we have a few minutes to go here before we end the program on the TV side. Uh, but we do have to turn attention quickly to uh, football here as the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs We'll be opening up the 2020 regular season on Thursday night. We'll have the football preview special coming up uh, later on this week on the uh, oh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Just making noises I'm over so there. I'm so excited for football. I cannot. I, sat, I can see you're excited wrote, for football. You have a Manchester United jersey on. Yes, that's the other football that I like. But no, I sat here and watched really crappy college football games on Saturdays because it's week one of the college season but it was football i think i watched marshall destroy eastern kentucky that was exciting i i i am so excited for football i think bc is picked to finish last in the acc but let's talk about the nfl here why does that matter john i'm just throwing facts out there bc is projected to be a complete dumpster fire in the acc this year all right so we'll uh pick some games coming up later on this week but we do have to pick the opening matchup here houston texans Mm-hmm. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who do you have? Uh, the Chiefs. And obviously, they're the Super Bowl winners. They're going to have somewhat some fans there, I guess. Um, they're probably going to raise their banner. It's going to be a lot of energy. I mean, it's, Arrow, it's Arrowhead, even though it's not full capacity. I'm sure the fans that are allowed to be there will bring the energy. But my biggest, my biggest um, problem with Houston is the fact that I'm still not entirely sure who Deshaun Watson is supposed to be throwing to because they did get rid of DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. And sure, they have I, Will Fuller and uh, who, who else is on their team? I don't even know at this point. That That's a sign, probably. That I remember, I, well, I guess Will, Ferrell, Will Fuller can have his moments because if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure I do, you had Will Fuller on your fantasy team last year in our. We don't league. have to talk about that. But don't you, have to talk about you that. benched him and you got like 45 points. <clears throat> that was funny. All right. So, right now, the Texans <laughs> for receivers have Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and Randall Cobb. Oh, Brandon Cooks. I forgot about Brandon Cooks. So, I mean, you have Darren Fells as well for a tight end, but the running back position is where this team is going to be successful. Yeah. And honestly, I can see the Houston Texans pulling off the upset here in game one of the regular season. So, uh, well, let's... Yeah, but what, 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 is, what is Houston's offensive line looking like, though? Well, you have Laramie Tunsil, Senio Calamete, Nick Martin, Zach Fulton, Titus Howard. Because Deshaun Watson was hit a lot last season there well, was even like, that there was that one the one play last season that he got poked in the eye he in his defense still completed the pass but like he had absolutely zero protection it kind of reminded me of cam newton carolina to be quite honest with you and probably what cam newton and the patriots look like this year but we'll get to that uh probably later on this week 
But you know what's sad? I just realized I have Randall Cobb on one of my fantasy teams, and I forgot that he was on Houston. So that's how I'm. That's doing probably it. the fantasy draft that you were going to go ahead and, that you had last night that you were watching during the summer. Okay. Yep, it was. It was. I right. act, yeah, I accidentally drafted one player that I wasn't meant to. It was. It was a nightmare. So I think Houston's going to take the uh, opening game here of the 2020 season, upset the Kansas City Chiefs, and you have the. What's your I, team? Oh, I have the Chiefs. Okay, 100%. so <laughs> there's. I'm sorry. I was we like, we can see each other. That's the thing. On the yeah. podcast, you think that we are like doing this without looking at each other. If you're watching us, we I'm have sorry. a switch screen. I, I was just so preoccupied thinking about my fantasy football team that I completely lost track of what we were talking. About. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it here for the simulcast. Don't forget, you can uh, listen to the Out of Bounds podcast. We do go on for a full hour here. We talk sports. We talk about other things. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify and uh, follow us on Twitter at OOB New England. And, uh, well, we'll see you later on the TV side. Thanks for watching. Meanwhile, on the podcast side, we continue to roll for another half hour or so. I want to get back to the Boston Celtics because there's been. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Guess what? Celtics still playing. Bruins oh. choked. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, but technically, John, the Red Sox are still playing, but you don't see me caring about that, do you? Can you, If you can name seven pitchers on the Boston Red Sox right now, we can talk about the Red Sox. Martin Perez. Okay, so let's uh, talk about... No, th- Ma- Matt Barnes. Um, Zach something. Zach Godley. That's a New York uh, accent, so that's a loss. Wait, okay. what? Zach Godley. Isn't that his name? Yeah, that's Zach Godley. You said it with the most Brooklyn accent ever. Zach Gwedley. Zach Gwedley. I've been to Brooklyn once. That's a lie. <laughs> All right. Um, so as, there we go. As far as the Boston Celtics are concerned, I think one interesting note is how their championship season, if they do win the championship, could be perceived. A lot of people say that this season has an asterisk on it. And I think as the rest of the teams kind of figure out what they're doing and how we get to the finals, potentially the NBA finals, maybe there's a small asterisk for the Boston Celtics. I mean, I feel like there's going to be a small asterisk no, no matter who wins this year. Um, so I'm not super concerned about, like, if if the Celtics are going to be perceived to have an asterisk because maybe they'll have an asterisk in history, but knowing Boston sports culture the way I think I do and the fact that the Patriots look like they're not going to be fantastic, the Red Sox are definitely not fantastic, the Bruins uh, shit the bed, if the Celtics win a championship, the Boston's going to react like they did when the Red Sox won in 04. Like, I, it's going to be absolute mayhem, and no one's going to listen to social distancing guidelines anymore. And, I mean, like, I was I was thinking about the, the – I don't know if it was the last Patriots Super Bowl or, or the one before it that there was, like, some kind of riot on Bridgewater State's campus, and they tipped over one of the Bears on That was campus. a comeback. That was it. The comeback? Are you sure? I don't think it was because I was definitely in Bridgewater after it happened, and I was in England when the comeback happened. So I think it may have been the Rams. Okay. Anyways. Either way, it was an overreaction, but that's definitely going to happen if the Celtics win, and everywhere in the state, and the there's going to be a spike in coronavirus cases. Will officially enter the second wave. Okay. All and- right. <laughs> So what I'm saying is the Celtics can't win because if they do, we're all screwed. Well, remember the conversation that we had with Adam Kaufman a couple weeks ago? 
when we gave our Celtics predictions and all that. I said, with my luck, the Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA championship because I won't be able to watch the team in a parade. No, I've been, what's going to happen is, and I've been predicting this since February, and I'm sure there's an older episode of Out of Bounds where we can go back and prove that I've been predicting this since February when it actually happens. No. The Celtics are going to lose to the Lakers in the finals because that's the only way to really honor Kobe, to be quite honest with you, is if the if the Lakers beat the Celtics in the finals. So realistically, what is a respectable destination for the Celtics team as far as distance in the playoffs? I honestly think that if they don't go to the finals, that they'll lose the conference finals in seven. Like, I, I think that they'll be extremely competitive in the next round, whether it's the Bucks or the Heat. So I honestly do think that if they don't make the finals, they'll lose in seven in the, in the Eastern Conference finals. See, I think as long as they make it tough on Miami and it's a back-and-forth series and it goes seven games, I can respect that. Really, yeah. if you get to the NBA Finals as a Celtics fan, as a green teamer, I don't really feel good about it because if you take on a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, you have to hope and pray that LeBron and Anthony Davis are off their game, maybe yeah. a rolled ankle. But And what are the odds both of them will be <clears throat> off their game at the same time? Right, Very that's well. the problem. Now, I will say Houston is surprising me as far as how they're playing the Lakers. They had that series tied up one game apiece, yeah. so maybe the Lakers still, can be beat. I'm, I'm still devastated that OKC couldn't pull out that, that series. I really am. Well, I mean, the NBA is happy they have their uh, love child there, James Harden, in the, the next round. That's yeah. that's one of the three players say, I can't stand in the NBA. That, the, you can't stand a lot of players. First I can of stand all. most players. Sure the only player that you like that's not on the Celtics is Giannis. I'm 95% sure. No, I like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's pretty okay. cool. All right, but you don't like LeBron. Hate him. You don't like Anthony Davis. Eh, hate him. Uh, now, these are all players that I hate as far as basketball goes. So let's right. just clear the air there. I know you don't like On James the court. We've, we've definitely had arguments about Russell Westbrook because I like Russell Westbrook and you do not. Nope. Um, Who else is there? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you like you must like Luka. There's, it's impossible to hate Luka. I will say that shot he hit at the uh, end of overtime against yeah. the uh, Clippers, that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. All right, so I want to go to Gordon Hayward here for a second because apparently he's back oh. in the – Gordon Hayward, he's that guy that they blew $34 million a year oh, on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The guy that's always hurt. Got yes. It. So he's back in the bubble, and there's talk about him, of course, leaving the bubble once again because his wife is set to have uh, his first son, so yeah. he'll be leaving the bubble again. Um, what's your thoughts on Gordon Hayward here in the uh, NBA bubble? I don't know why he came back. What is the point of that? If he's going to just leave again, why not just stay gone? Because you know what's going to happen? As soon as he clears protocol, getting it back into the bubble, his wife is going to go into labor. Because I don't know if you know this, but she's on, what, kid number three or four? Normally, the more kids you have, you start having them earlier. So I I guarantee you, he'll be be in one practice, unable to participate because he's still injured. And he'll have to leave again. So I, I think it was absolutely pointless for him to come back. And not for nothing, they don't need him. Well, I think it shows a little bit of respect from Gordon Hayward to the Celtics because it shows that 
he will still go and return to the Celtics. He'll go through the process to get back with the team. And really, with a player like Gordon Hayward that's making $34 million a year, he could have very really easy... He could have easily said, you know what, yeah. screw this. I'm going home to be with my family. There's no reason I need to be down here. But he's hanging in this hotel room in Disney World. He's quarantining right now. He's running around in circles doing his cardio. And all for what? Probably to go back home probably a week later. Yeah. Um, I just I just think it's a, a waste of time. And I, And at first I thought it would be detrimental to the Celtics not to have him. But honestly, I keep forgetting he's not even there watching this series because it's one of those things. And obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker have been having big nights. But what, when you have nights that Marcus Smart is going off or, or Robert Williams is suddenly a huge factor under the net, you forget that you even need Gordon Hayward because all these other guys have been stepping up so much in his absence. I will say, looking back, if the Celtics are successful, I think one player to look at is Marcus Smart. Because obviously what he brings to the team defensively, but that game two performance when he went off in the fourth quarter hitting five three-pointers, saving the team's ass, that was big. That was important for the Boston Celtics and very important for anybody that thought that Marcus Smart was a liability. I I don't think Marcus Smart is a liability. I I don't think he's the star of your team by by any means, but I think that he's important to the organization as a whole. And I mean, even Brad Stevens has said this multiple times, especially because he's the longest tenured Celtic at this point, which I mean, is, is it to most Boston sports, it seems like six years isn't a lot, but for the Celtics, it is, especially when all of the older athletes that we've been relying on for the last couple of years are, are slowly disappearing and you want to attach yourself to someone new. Captain smart. Just saying, that little C on the chest. Do they have captains in the NBA? I, I don't think the captains actually mean anything, but just knowing that Marcus Smart's there on the court and off the court, I think what that's I ha- important. What I do have to say, though, is is if Marcus Smart is named captain of the Celtics before Xander Bogarts is named captain of the Red Sox, I'm revolting. Well, I mean, technically he's the captain of the Titanic right now, also oh, known yeah, as the uh, 2020 Red Sox. All right. So as, at least they didn't trade him. That's all I have to say. Maybe you should have. I don't know. That no, team's what, a, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Who the hell else do the Red Sox have right now? Um, exactly. <laughs> they need at least one guy. Oh, right, because they need to get people inside the gate this year for tickets. My bad. <laughs> all no, right. He's he's important to the future of the team. And trade value, but that's another story for another. You didn't get time. rid of David Ortiz between the 07 and the 13th championship, did you? If oh, got, no, you didn't. That's okay, right. If the, if the team got rid of David Ortiz, there'd be pitchforks at Fenway that's Park. That's what would have happened if they got rid of Xander Bogart. I doubt, I doubt it with this year's yeah, team. So, yeah, 100%. Okay, yeah, right. You just don't pay attention enough to baseball. You don't know. Okay, we'll talk about this another time. We need to start building up material because if we do these podcasts two times a week or more. I know. All right. So that's a look at uh, the Boston Celtics, who are most likely probably going to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. They have to win one more game. Game uh, six comes your way tomorrow night at 630, and game seven comes up on Friday night. So win or lose, Saturday morning could be great for Celtics fans or could be Mm -hmm. painful for Celtics fans, depending on how the hangover goes. I guess we'll see by you, John. Uh, I could have a phone that's turned off, but 
I want to I want to kind of go away from sports here for a little bit as we do here on Out of Bounds, the podcast now. And uh, we started playing this clip a little bit before the show. And this is a man in Lincoln, Nebraska, who stepped up at a city council meeting. We talked about um, Parks and Rec, how these people had to deal with oh, yeah. the most stupid-ass comments that right. anybody can come up with. Yeah. So uh, this is from Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm and so I teased it a little bit to you. So let's go ahead and listen if I had this set up right. Turn this up. Here we go. And then you. Okay. I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen. Uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Now we know his address. Lincoln has the opportunity. Okay. Are you going to Lincoln, Nebraska? I'm just saying. Who, how do you know that someone listening to this podcast doesn't live in Lincoln, Nebraska? You don't if know. anybody's listening to this podcast from Lincoln, Nebraska, please let me know. Just keep playing the clip. <laughs> to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I, like I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending. All right. So what do you think this name could be? I, I, my, my gut instinct is that it's either a racial slur or a derogative word towards someone with a mental disability. Neither, none of which I'm going to actually say because it's terrible, but that's what my guess is though everything is just fine i'm talking about boneless chicken wings what <laughs> i propose that we as a city remove the excuse me i'm trying to yeah excuse me sir come on okay <laughs> wait is he being serious or is this a joke this is dead serious more importantly no, more importantly i want you to go back and listen to the guy laughing in the background here we go that we as a city remove the excuse me i'm trying to yeah excuse me sir come on I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. Yeah. I don't go to order boneless tacos. No. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. What? I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. What the hell does that and mean, boneless? That's some Lincoln, Nebraska talk right there. Oh, you, don't go to, you don't go to a Lincoln car dealership asking for boneless car repair. Please tell me that this guy was joking and this was just some elaborate prank. Three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. You know, you, I propose you that we rename what, boneless wings. And you want to know what parents should be ashamed of themselves? <laughs> this guy. This guy. Because this guy is clearly so entitled in the world that he's taking up the time of his local government <laughs> to discuss whether or not boneless chicken wings should be referred to as boneless chicken wings. Are you going to sit here and tell me that in Lincoln, Nebraska, there's not any more better issues to talk about? All their schools are perfect. Well, who All the, of their who lives in, are great. Who lives in, in Nebraska? This guy. Oh, my God. This is just, this Lincoln. guy is so... We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. 
True. We can call them wet tenders. Wet we tenders. We can call them saucy no, nubs no, or don't trash. Like that. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. Thank the sad thing is that man I probably would, took would, 20 minutes to write that last line. So here's the interesting thing. He was actually the son of one of the city councilors. That was on the panel that, oh my God. <laughs> was his mother or his father? Uh, it was his father. I, if I'm his father, I resign <clears throat> right there. That's the, I, because I am so embarrassed that this is my child that I never want to be seen in public again. I'm going somewhere else in Nebraska. These are, the, these are the big stories in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh my God. Now that, we'll, that is ridiculous. Now I'll say, I go out to Syracuse uh, once a year for work. And, yeah. you know, we go other places. We've been to Maine before for work and everything. Mm -hmm. And it, I'll check in with the news programs just to see how yeah. it looks compared to the Boston newscast. Because here in Boston, obviously, they start off with some very heavy and serious news. Right. Sometimes in Syracuse or up in Maine, their top story is road construction on some right. backward hillbilly street. I don't think any time we've ever had to travel for work, I've stopped long enough to watch the news. Because we're constantly working. So I don't know when you have the time to do this. The 11 o'clock newscast. Yeah, well, John, after working 12 days on a shoot, or 12 hours on a shoot, I'd rather go to bed. I, I don't know about you, but whatever. You have to be ready to go. So these are the big topics that we talk about here on Out of Bounds. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't think I'm ever going to stop being able to think about this. <laughs> but you're right. It definitely does sound like something dumb that would happen on Parks and Rec. Like, the... the um. There's one scene. I don't know if you've got, I feel like you've gotten to it already, but this woman who's in the show a lot is like going to Ron and he's like, um, I, the water in your, in your parks, it says not to drink it. Um, so I made some tea with it and I got an infection and the way she, she says like an infection, but I was like dumb things like that. It's like if the sign says don't drink the water, don't drink the water, but that it's the same thing. It's like the most mind numbingly, dumb problems that these people have when there's so much stuff to worry about in the world. Well, it's nice to know that there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, obviously, you know, everything you see on the news plus the coronavirus. So, you know, to see stories like that, it wounds my heart a little bit to know that there's I, still stupid people that bring up stupid topics. I would bet you 20 bucks that that guy doesn't wear a mask in public. I probably not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Not that many that. people do. All right, so that's my contribution as far as a uh, little non-sports uh, non discussion here on Out of Bounds. Well, I was going to ask you what a podcast you're listening to, but I know, but we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show, and you said you only watch one, or you only listen to one other podcast. So I feel like this is going to be a boring conversation. Well, I, I listen to the Office podcast because obviously right. that's one. It's one of the shows I've followed all along. Sure. But um, listening to 98.5 The Sports Hub. I listen to their shows back, you know, the podcast and all that. Sure. Um, you know, Adam Jones I listen to a lot. The Dong Report, that's a good podcast because it's 10 yeah. minutes. It's every night. Right. I don't really yeah. need to have an attention span. That's a big th That's a big reason I don't watch a lot of these movies. I haven't seen Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Star Trek. I can't. It, it baffles me. I just, like, where do you get your entertainment in life? I don't understand. Sports. That's why the yep. this year has been awful. 
Yeah, well, you know what? It wouldn't have been so awful for you if you were invested in pop culture because you would have had something to go to when sports wasn't around like the rest of us. What am I going to watch? Tiger King? Yes. Watch someone really feed her husband we... to a tiger? Well, not only that, but like I, I genuinely asked you as a friend to at, watch Parks and Rec and you refused to finish it. So I've had other things going on. My apologies. I I guarantee you've watched episodes of The Office since then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You're just gonna you're just gonna be one of those people that constantly watches ne- The Office on Netflix over and over and over and over again. Well, eventually Peacock's gonna take it and take over the world. Yeah, but I mean, you can still watch it on Peacock because it's mostly free. You can actually already watch it on Peacock. So if you have the Peacock app, fun fact, there is like there's three sections of it. There's like NBC with like all the sports that they have there streaming like video on demand-esque aspect and then there's like they have channels on it that you can watch and one of their channels just plays the office on a loop 24 7. Hmm. yeah the more you know yeah get it hey it's nbc who doesn't like themselves some nbc all right so i've been just listening to a lot of rewatch podcasts because that's what i've been into recently plus one of my i have a couple of history podcasts i've been listening to because i'm kind of a nerd when it comes to history stuff um there's a really good one how did this get made uh paul Shear and jason manzoukas who are absolutely hilarious comedians how does um, what get made so the premise of it is that they take like really bad movies television shows and art in general and just like sit there and talk about like why did anyone want to meet make this hmm. it's great and if you watched Parks and Rec, you would know who Jason Manzukis is. But I guarantee you don't even know whose character is in Parks and Rec. Probably not. It's Dennis Feinstein. Don't remember. <laughs> Didn't think so. I'm going to have to go ahead and rewatch some Parks and Rec. <sighs> but we have it's a pretty uh, busy week coming up because later on this week we have the 2020 uh, Pro Football Preview. Uh, we, uh, we'll be talking about the New England Patriots along with uh, some of the other big stories across the NFL. Pick some games as well. Great to have football season back here. So excited. I'm so excited. All right. Can't even begin to explain. Well, thanks, everybody, for checking out uh, episode two of the podcast here. We'll have episode three coming up later on this week. For Mary Everett, I'm John Luck. We'll see you later.